Welcome to the PGA of Alberta's podcast. I'm Josh Fleming, the Operations Manager of Golf Tech Prairies uh, and a proud member of uh, the 2020-2021 uh, PGA of Alberta Education Committee. Uh, I'm super excited to get to host today's podcast uh, and today I'm lucky enough to get to host Riley Fleming. Uh, Riley won PGA of Alberta Player of the Year here in Alberta in 2018 and 2020. Uh, he is the winner of our organization's provincial championship in 2018 and 2020 and uh, winner of the Assistance Championship uh, in the last three consecutive years. So uh, very good player with us, a good friend of mine, and excited to sit down with you today, Riley. Thanks for having me, Josh. Should be fun. You bet. You bet. Uh, I mean, you've obviously won a lot of other PGA of Alberta tournaments, but we only have 20 minutes today, so we'll jump right into it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this track record on the, on the golf course, particularly here with the PGA of Alberta, uh, which is really exciting. But, you know, I was hoping that we could just start out with uh, you giving us a little bit of your backstory. You know, can you take me through your, your junior career a little bit? You know, what got you hooked on golf? Any mentors, coaches? Kind of what did the start of golf look like for Riley Fleming? For sure. Um, so actually, I started playing. I grew up in Redwood Meadows. So I started playing when I was pretty young, uh, not playing real rounds, just getting snuck on the golf course by my dad whenever I could kind of thing when I was two, three, four years old. And then uh, we actually moved just outside of Airdrie when I was nine. And I remember we went out to Collicut Siding one morning and I think it was going to cost 30 bucks. It was going to cost us 30 bucks to play and 100, 120 bucks to be a member or something. So my dad bought my brother and I memberships on the spot. Perfect. And that was when golf started to kind of take off. It was, uh, it was awesome. I didn't really know much about it at the time. Um, started playing a lot. And then I want to say I was 11 and Joel Monk actually took me to my first ever tournament. Uh, we ended up going to the Alberta PGA pro junior and I got hooked immediately. Um, we, I think we tied for first, we ended up losing to, uh, I think Ron, Ron from Fritis at the time. And it was awesome. I was in a playoff. And after that, like I went home immediately and looked into junior golf tournaments. Pardon me, sir. Just to go back, you were, you were in a play ever tournament with Joel Monk, a PGA of Alberta event. Correct. Is that correct? Right on. You just cut out a little bit there. And I think that's, yeah. that's an awesome story. First event yeah. in a playoff right out of the gates. Cool. So continue on. My apologies. Yeah, it was really cool. No problem. Yeah. So it was really cool. Um, again, that didn't really, I didn't even know the rules of tournament golf. Uh, it was a pro junior. Um, Joel was obviously a great mentor when I was a kid. He kind of pushed me along, got me into some, um, you know, told me where to look for events. Uh, I started playing the Maple Leaf Junior Tour when I was 13. Um, and then I basically, I started taking golf up full time when I was 14. I quit playing hockey. I ended up homeschooling for three years so I could play it more often. Um, I figured I was quite a bit behind the Americans, obviously getting to play year round and me being up here in Canada and especially Alberta, not exactly an ideal climate. So I homeschooled so I could practice and play and kind of take advantage of any time I did have. And then, uh, I kind of just started looking back, kept, on, looking back yeah. on that. Sorry, sorry to interrupt there, but looking nope. back on it, just as a, as a quick question, um, do you think that was the right decision? Were you pleased with that? Like, did you find some benefit to it? Or do you feel like you maybe missed out on anything that might have happened at school or, or those types of things? No, I think it was definitely, it was one of the better decisions I probably made. Um, you know, looking back on it as a 14 year old telling my parents I went to homeschool so I could play more golf so I could make it one day, I think is, it kind of makes me laugh now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was really, I'd 
kind of just, I loved everything about golf, the whole thought of you controlling your destiny. There wasn't, you know, I was getting tired of the politics and hockey and uh, sorry, I'm going to move yeah, a lot of talking. So I was getting tired of the um, politics and hockey and everything. And golf is free from that. You know, whoever plays the best shoots the lowest scores, they're going to win. And I just, I really liked that thought and uh, I kind of ran with it. And looking back, it was probably the best decision I did make. I got so much better in those three years, which obviously looking now as a teacher, realizing how important that, you know, as a kid's growing and getting stronger and better and having the chance to actually work at it as hard as I did was crucial. Yeah, for sure. Um, so obviously, you know, you assuming you had a, well, I know you had a very successful junior career, but was there a moment, you know, made golf is what I'm, I'm going to play professionally. Uh, I'm going to make a career out of this. W what was it for you that was kind of that aha moment or was it just a combination of things? Yeah, it was a little bit of a combination. Um, I remember when I was 18, I got to, I got selected for the under 19 team Canada program. Um, but, so kind of the junior program and I was on it. There was four of us. And one of them, one of the kids was Adam Svensson, who is obviously he plays on the PJ tour now. And, uh, or maybe he's on the corn Ferry actually right now, but a uh, very good player. And he was known in Canada as the best. He was the best we had at the time, best age group in our age group. And I remember, cause he just dummied me in all my, all the events we came up against each other as a junior, he dummied me. And then, uh, we played. So that whole year we played, he beat me, he beat me, um, I was close getting a little better. And then I beat him actually at the BC amateur in 2012. I won it. And it was kind of at that point that I knew I would have a shot at playing professionally. I had no idea whether I'd make it or, you know, make a living or whatever it was, but I knew it when I took him down, I figured I'd at least have a shot at it. Right. So it was kind of a big victory, if you will, in, in your head, where you're like, Hey, I beat that guy. I could probably beat some other pretty good players out there. Exactly. And uh, you know, golf's a weird game where you're, you know, you're not really going to win that much. And, but it is also amazing where you start to win, you know, you can, and the floodgates can open. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we certainly know you have some experience winning, um, but uh, you know, I did some research. Uh, so I know that you turned professional um, of course, uh, and your first top 10 on the PJ tour Canada uh, came in your fifth event at the Sega Dakota dunes open um, there in Saskatchewan. And I'm curious to know, you know, as you made the transition to play professionally on PJ tour Canada, uh, were you pleased uh, with the success or the, the experience that, that you had in trying to play professionally? Did you find the success you wanted or, or were you let down or take me through the mindset of the transition from the amateur player uh, to the professional player? Because we'll have a lot of people out there listening who are amateur golfers looking to maybe play professionally. Uh, certainly a lot of juniors in the province who might know your name. Yeah. Um, so I ended up, I left the University of uh, Texas at Arlington. Um, I left early and it was in October of 20, I want to say it was October, 2012, might've been 2013. Yeah, it was 2013, sorry. And I didn't really have anywhere else to play. Um, I was in a weird, unique position where I'd won the um, provincial amateurs and played okay in the Canadian Am. I finished 13th for one year. Um, so the point was that I was sitting at was that I looked at at least was that I was either about to spend a whole bunch more money chasing these bigger amateur events to rise up further in the ranks of the amateur world. Um, or I could turn pro and potentially make some money back. Um, I looked at it as, you know, I was going to be spending money playing golf no matter what. And as a, you know, wanting to play a pro, I figured why not do it? Um, so I ended up, I went to PGA tour Canada Q school, um, got my card. I finished 30th at Q school. It was just barely good enough to get status for the first three events. 
And uh, but you got status. But I got status, which is what matters. <laughs> and then it was interesting. I remember I went out my first ever event. Um, is at Point Grey in Vancouver, and I went out and I was five under through eleven, and I didn't realize it, but I was leading the golf tournament, and I turned that into a nice missed cut. So five under through eleven in my first round, and then I ended up shooting sixty nine, and then I just shot seventy five the next day to miss the cut. And that's when I kind of realized, like, oh, okay, this might be a little different. Um, and then, so I missed the, my second cut. A little wake-up call, I bet. Totally. So I missed my second cut, missed my third cut. And it was in fashion of, you know, missing 10-footers on the last hole and, you know, looking at the cut line and being, um, you know, really kind of absorbed in it. And it would just change my game completely. And then what ended up happening is I we had an off week and I came back and played the Alberta Open at Wolf Creek and I ended up actually I won it by six and that really kind of snowballed again and I realized that hey I can actually you know I can't do this I'm good enough and uh, you know again believed and quit looking at the cut line as much as just started playing a little bit more golf again and that's when I went out to Dakota Dunes and it was also a perfect timing because Wolf Creek played very similar to Dakota Dunes you can hit a lot of drivers yeah. finally um, and then McKenzie Tour is pretty notorious for not being able to hit a lot of drivers, pretty tiny golf courses, really tight, a lot of rough usually. Um, so I finally got to a course that I felt comfortable on. Um, and the first two days was, it was so windy because I was, I, I shot three under and I think I was in the top 20 somewhere in there. Um, well, the next two days were perfectly calm and the scores just went ballistic. Like I shot 65, 66 to finish. And those were like my best rounds by far out there. They might have been my lowest round in competition, actually, now that I think about it um, at the time. And, you know, I ended up, I think I finished seventh. And it was awesome. And I was riding high. This is great. Go to the next week, miss the cut again. So that was kind of my rookie year <laughs> on the McKenzie Tour. A lot of highs and lows. So, uh, so a couple highs yeah. and a few lows, for sure. A uh, couple of reality no, checks. Yeah, but that's golf, right? I think that, uh, you know, we, we've all experienced those highs and lows to different fashions, of course, but uh, it's definitely something that can happen out there. Um, you know, I'm curious to know, obviously, you have a, a plethora of golf experiences and you've played some stuff on the PGA Tour Canada. You've played with some good players. You know, um, you got any cool stories, any notable players that you've played with where you're like, you know what, that was really cool that I got to experience that out on the golf course. I mean, I know that you've played with Wes Heffernan. He's a pretty good player. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Very good uh, you guys obviously compete quite often um as we all do but uh for real any any notable players kind of neat stories that you want to share with the, the membership and the listeners yeah i've got uh, i've got a few stories that can't be shared um that are a little more uh, just funny stories about guys but uh one that was actually pretty funny is a couple of years ago in edmonton we were playing the tournament up there and i guess i can't remember what it was called actually um but it was at glendale and the I was one back the lead going into Saturday and I was paired with a guy named Aaron Wise who obviously anyone in the golf world has probably heard of now and he was a stud um, yeah. he, I know I knew a little bit about him at the time because he just won the uh, NCAAs and I watched him on TV and he was 11 under tied for the lead and I was at 10 under so we were playing in the second last group on Saturday and I was thinking it was pretty cool because it's Alberta I had a lot of people watching us um, sure you know, probably lots for him, maybe a few for me, but uh, I remember we were standing on the first tee and the tee we were using is their back tee box there, which I don't think they use for regular play. And it is tiny. It might be 10 feet wide and maybe 10 feet deep. It's a tiny little circle. And he'd just come off finishing. I think he finished 13th at the John Deere. So he said, I think he said he made 89,000 or something. And so we stand on the first, he tees off. It's a good one. And 
I go next, they announce my name, I tee it up and I stand behind my ball to kind of visualize the shot and everything. And Aaron is standing right next to me, like five feet from my golf ball and almost shoulder to shoulder where I'm standing. Doesn't move, doesn't even look at me, just looks <laughs> straight down the hole. So I'm like, all right, whatever, okay. So I hit my shot. And it wasn't until later, literally it was it was probably months later, I looked back and I was like, he just big dicked me. I'm sitting here and I let him come into Alberta and stand there and intimidate me on the first tee box. And I played terrible and he blew my doors off and he ended up winning the event. Um, I think he shot 63 that day. Um, he blew your drawers off when he won the event, right? So. Exactly. And that was, and there's not a lot of guys I've come up against where you're just like, okay, this guy's better than me. And he was one of them. And like, he yeah. was so good. And I, I got to know him quite a bit better after that. And uh, he was a really good guy, uh, but he is, he's a mean guy on the golf course. He's good. Sure. Sure. Um, I, I like the comment, you know, where you, you noted there uh, that he was really good, right? Yeah. Yeah. You had mentioned about um, Wise being really good. What was it that you saw that made you go, holy, you know, I'm a decent player, but right. that guy's really good. What What are kind of the profound differences between um, yourself and a tour player like that? Yeah, and like, I mean, he's a great example. He won Rookie of the Year on the PGA Tour, I think, 18 months after that day or something. And uh, he – it sounds weird, but like, you know, golfers will know this. They make a different sound. Like when you hit a golf ball, there's uh, obviously good noises and bad noises. And uh, it's it, the good, the really, really good players make a bit of a different thump. Um, he was also just, he was probably the most fearless player I've ever seen play golf. He hit some tee shots to spots that I would never. And again, looking back now, you know, it's this whole decade system and he had an approach set up it makes sense looking back on it now, but at the time I was just blown away by how aggressive it seemed like he was playing. Um, and it was the mindset more of that. He knew he'd win. He knew he was better than the rest of us and he would just win. And that's exactly what he did. I think he played five events that year and finished second or third on the money list. And that was, it was the way he carried himself too. You can, you can fake it. You can try to act, you know, like a hot shot and think you're, think you're great, be cocky, but there's still, there's a different switch when you truly, truly know versus when you're just trying to fake it. Gotcha. Oh, that makes and sense. he had that. Yeah. Right on. So, you know, that's a little bit, obviously we've talked about uh, your playing career and so forth, but uh, as we all know, you're, you're an instructor at Lynx Ridge and been there for the last year and you're with the uh, National Golf Academy and Terry Carter for a long time. What was the driving for um, behind you choosing to? Yeah, um, I kind of, it was actually funny. I kind of backdoored into it. I, uh, I just came home from Europe when I missed qualifying in spectacular fashion. Um, and I was really in the dumps. I, I was over golf. I was mentally uh, done. I, I, I would argue that I hated it at the time. Um, it wasn't funny anymore. You know, looking back, I was definitely battling some mental demons at the time. And it just wasn't, you know, I lost interest in the chase of being alone all the time. And, you know, everyone thinks it's glamorous and it's not. It's not as glamorous as anyone thinks. Not not until you make it. And uh, I ended up coming home and I didn't have any, you know, here I am, a college dropout. Uh, I can play golf, but like apparently not good enough to make huge money so i was like what am i gonna do and but you, you, kind of, EGA tour canada does say that you made thirty thousand dollars playing so well hey that's not so bad then that's, that's what you know because i know a lot of people think that i just clean up out here but you know i, I figure i've got about two hundred sixty thousand to recoup before i break even on my golf endeavors but uh <laughs> there you go we're All getting right. there yeah um so yeah been, and then it was actually it was terry obviously and, uh, terry was my longtime coach uh he was my basically my only coach that I worked with. And, 
he obviously owns the golf dome and uh, I came home and he's like, well, why don't you just come work behind the counter and pick some balls and stuff. And it was more just to get me out of my bloody house. Cause I wasn't doing anything. I was dejected. And uh, yeah. I think at the time I hadn't touched a club in like three or four months. And I remember he called me or Daryl James actually called me in for a seniors clinic and just asked me to hit some golf balls. That was the first time I've touched a club since I was in my mind done playing. And I loved it again. It was just, you know, hitting balls in front of people, asking some, answering some simple questions. Um, so it was at that point where I was like, okay, maybe. And that's when I started to look into teaching. Um, yeah. And obviously with Terry, Terry made it incredibly easy. Um, you know, held my hand basically through the process. And cause that was a thing too. Like here I thought, and that's what's I think so amazing about this game is I still learn stuff daily about it. I, well, well, I can play golf. I can teach it. Well, no, that's not how it goes. I know definitely certain aspects of the game um, really well but I had so much more to learn in teaching. And I think that's what I fell in love with again, was all this, you know, sure I can hit a driver, maybe 320 and hit a little fade on it if I want or a little draw or whatever, but, you know, try to convince someone to hit the ground when they've made 40 swings in a row without touching it. Like it was a new challenge all of a sudden in golf. And, you know, the one thing that hasn't, you know, other than that little, I've always loved golf. I hated the tour, the, the last couple months of my touring and stuff, but the game of golf, I always loved. And that's why I stepped away from it originally is because I was starting to fall out of that. And they're just, it's, you know, when you, when your favorite thing in the world starts to become a job and you just don't like it anymore, it was a scary time. So that's, and teaching was amazing. I just fell right back into it. And it was a kind of a whole new challenge to learn, which is, which I love. For sure. Well, it's, it's awesome. I mean, uh, you know, you and I have actually had a lot of sidebar conversations over the last couple of years and, you know, it's been fun to listen to your passion about teaching golf and uh, kind of your journey that got you to Lynx Ridge. And I know this last summer, um, you know, you, you taught a ton of golf at Lynx Ridge as golf kind of got really busy. So I uh, wish you the best uh, as you continue to teach. Um, but I, I'm curious to know, um, in, in making the transition from player to golf, right, uh, the, the industry side, what surprised you the most about being a PG of Alberta member uh, and being involved in the industry versus, you know, a competitive player who relies a lot on the industry for places to play, good golf courses, good service and so forth, right? You're, you're kind of an employee of the industry now, if you will, versus a user of the industry. And what's that feel like? And talk me through that, if, if you don't mind. Yeah. And uh, I think the biggest thing is like the feeling of actually growing the game. I mean, you know, I, I had a couple small experiences when I was, you know, touring, you know, sign a glove here, maybe give a kid, you know, a high five kind of thing that felt like you might be growing the game a little bit. But I mean, man, the single junior clinic, that gets more involvement in the game than I ever would have probably generated playing. And I think that's what's so cool about it. You see, you know, different, so many different people. And obviously COVID was, I don't want to say great for golf, but it was great for golf. Um, and I've never seen so many people take up golf all of a sudden and mm -hmm. realize how fun it is. And obviously we all, you know, love this game that are part of it. And I think that's the other thing I love about the industry too, is that, you know, we have this resources of pros that, um, you know, we're a family and uh, we have this unique ability around golf. And I love that part. Like, you know, just your and I's friendship basically, uh, you know, to bounce ideas off each other. And, and like I said, having a family and that's what was, you know, that was one of the hardest things about touring is there wasn't anyone, there was no one rooting for me. Like when I, like, sure. you know, and I'm not saying when we play competitively, people are hoping I beat them or anything, but it's the camaraderie. It's the beers after it's maybe, you know, 
Hey, let's get around together. Let's, I got some ideas or, you know, I got struggling with a student, maybe can like, what are your thoughts on this? So I think being able to, you know, the share knowledge and everything, and uh, it just doesn't feel, it's not like we're trying to beat each other. We're all trying to grow this game together. And it's, you know, it's an incredible thing under the PGA Alberta and, you know, the PGA Canada as well. Absolutely. For sure. Um, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I'm a proud PGA member. I enjoy our business as well. And I, I agree that it is very family oriented and it's nice to know you can phone up just about any PGA member to have a, a nice cordial conversation about our industry and our organization. Right. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, what excites you about the golf industry? You know, what, what's the future look like for Riley Fleming in golf right now? I know we don't have a crystal ball. that's going to tell us exactly what's going to happen. Uh, would be nice if we did, but um, going back to Lynx Ridge this year, um, what else is on their horizon from playing perspective, teaching perspective? Uh, what are you looking forward to? i uh, looking forward to teaching again. Um, you know, it's kind of, we're, we're obviously used to having our season taken away every October with snow. Um, and then COVID's kind of altered that with also just fully taking away uh, lessons and everything. So I'm excited to get back to doing what I love, which is teaching. And, you know, obviously once the course opens up, I want to play again. Um, I have, I've toyed with the idea of, potentially doing you know the corn fairy q school again um at the, it fits in really well in the fall when our season winds down i can still do it if i if i wanted to um it would covid changed all of that they you know canceled out the whole q school uh i also didn't play at all last year with how busy everyone was but i'm sure you know everyone agree the t-sheets were as busy as ever so the year would have to look a little different if i wanted to go back to playing but uh right now i mean sure. i couldn't be happier with uh you know, maybe take the pandemic off the table and have the same amount of golf and teaching and everything. That would be a pretty perfect life for me. Yeah, that's that would be nice if we could take that pandemic off the table. But uh, time, that's not time too much to ask. <laughs> yeah. Won't it? Uh, might be a little out of our control. Uh, although it is awesome bit. that we can teach golf in a safe environment. Um, yep. You know, one more question for you, and then we'll just jump into some rapid fire to finish things up. Um, any advice for younger golfers or even older golfers who are looking to get the most out of their golf game, compete at the best level that they can, you know, what would be your, here's Riley Fleming's words of wisdom to that type of player. Work at it. It's so simple and it's such a complex game. It's so hard, but work at it. Um, everyone that comes to me that says, Oh, I've been practicing. I want to see it better. They haven't even, they typically haven't even skipped the surface of what it takes to really get better at this game. Yeah. Um, you watch golf for 20 minutes, you're going to see different swings. So the reason why is because these guys have practiced for hours, millions of hours working their craft, you know, practicing, 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 practicing. And even if it's not perfect, you know, you see it, especially with social media nowadays, you see the perfect looking golf swing. Oh, this is great. Well, I beat a lot of guys that had nice golf swings and I got pummeled by a lot of guys that had some weird golf swings. Um, but at the end of the day, they worked out, they practiced, they knew what they were getting out of their swing. What was the, you know, and I think that's where, especially in today's world, everyone wants that instant gratification and golf. And that's why I love golf. Golf will never give you that. You might think you have a little key swing thought that's changed everything in five minutes on the range. But when you got 20 bucks on the line coming down 17, I doubt it. It just doesn't usually stand up. And sure. that's where, so if people are, you know, if someone asks me to, they want to get better, start working at it. Be honest with yourselves. Look back at your year and don't say, hey, I want to, I want to shoot three shots better next year. I'm going to drop my handicap by three. Say, you know what? I want to practice guaranteed two hours on Monday, one hour on Wednesday, hour on Friday. 
and let the process take care of itself. That was the biggest change I made in my life was worrying about the process, not the outcome. And that was Derek Ingram from Team Canada. He was amazing at hammering that is, that into us. And that's when I started to play phenomenal. And because uh, at the end of the day, you know that you've put in the time and you're at the end of the day, odds are if you're a good player and you've worked hard at it, there's going to be some really good results show up. Yeah, I like that. That's good advice. Uh, maybe something I'll try try working into my own game this <laughs> summer. That's, that's a loaded question for my own benefit, really, right there. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, let's, let's finish up uh, with an emergency nine, if I were to take it from subpar or just some rapid fire. Uh, we'll start with some easy ones on golf. Uh, just first thing that comes to your mind. All right. Uh, number one, favorite golf course? Call it exciting. Go check Call it out. It Call it exciting. It's where it all started, eh? Yep. I like it. Uh, favorite golfer of all time and why? Uh, Steve Stricker. Um, I remember because I was pretty young when I watched him win. I think it was TPC Boston and he cried and Tiger was in second. And I just thought, you know, because I've seen Tiger and I respect Tiger a lot more now. Um, and I've seen Tiger be emotional and be more of a human being. But like Steve Stricker, every time he won, it was changing his life. It was means so much to him and i just yeah. you know he was the man i wanted to be if i made it on tour and that's why i respect him so much for sure and he comes from a cold climate he hits yep. the balls indoors all winter right uh best golf swing on the planet hard to Who's go against adam, adam scott adam scott right down under looks pretty good nice motion yep. pretty successful player too uh best golf instructor out there these days these Ooh, days that's one. a tough question you know mm -hmm. i have a lot of respect for a guy no one's ever probably heard of this guy his name's jeff jones down in texarkana and he i learned a lot from him and just hanging around and listening to him and he he talked about stuff at the time that i'd never even heard of or thought of and i have a lot of respect for him he was really good he's not an instagram guy he's not a you know not a social media guy he has his own private range in texarkana texas if you can imagine that so Cool. Well, I'm sure he's going to get some uh, Google searches uh, once we release this podcast, hopefully. Cool. Uh, let's get to know Riley just a little bit better now. Uh, number one, PGATour.com lists you at 185 and six foot three. Are you really 185 pounds? No, I'm 177 now. Maybe right. after a big, maybe after a big weekend. <laughs> maybe after a big week, guys. I saw that this morning when I was looking your name up, and I'm like, man, I know Riley pretty good. He's pretty small. He's, he's pretty small, but he's not thick. So yeah. I, I had nope. to know. Um, all right, vacation on the beach or in the mountains? Beach. I yeah. take the mountains for granted, but the beach is awesome. There you go. I think I know the answer to this one because uh, I know you a little bit. But fishing or golf on a hot summer day? Now fishing for sure. Fishing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I figured so much. Um, been watching your social media, see you out there in the cold yeah. ice fishing. So I thought yeah. it was a shoe in on a nice day. Yep. Uh, scotch rum or a cold beer on a nice day? Ooh, if I'm only having one cold beer. Cold beer. There you go. Yeah. You don't ever have more than one, do you? Never. This is a temple. <laughs> there you go. Uh, just a couple softballs. Favorite hockey team? Flames. Flames? How are they looking this year, do you think? Well, they look good against Vancouver, but uh, I don't know. It's, I think I'm worried that any of the Canadian team that comes out of the North Division is going to be so beat up by the end of the season that it could be ugly. Uh, uh, Flames fan, we'll keep rooting for them, though. Thank you for your time. Uh, if you were no good at golf, uh, what, would be, what would you be doing? Firefighter, just like my dad. Firefighter? Yeah, 100%, just like my dad. Cool.
There you go. Cool. Well, Riley, man, I want to thank you for your time. Um, always a pleasure to chat with you. I think that was about 30 minutes of uh, get to know Riley. Um, I certainly feel like I know you a little bit better, your, your backstory. Uh, I know it's just a pleasure to have you part of our organization and industry. Uh, I certainly wish you all the best uh, going forward this year and into the future. And uh, we'll see you out on the links this summer, buddy. Thanks so much, buddy. Really appreciate it.